Hi, and welcome back to On the Shelf. Today, we have a very special episode we are so excited to share with you all. An author interview, our first of three that we are doing this summer. This will be instead of our normal once-a-week upload format. Check out the show, show notes for more info on the author of today's episode, Camille Aubrey, her work, or our other upcoming interviews. We hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to On the Shelf summer edition. Uh, um, we have something very, very fun today. We're going to be talking with Camille Aubrey, author of Cooking for Picasso and The Godmothers, and we're specifically going to be talking about um, her most recent book, The Godmothers, in this episode. We're about to bring her into the Zoom, and this is going to be a lot of fun, so I will admit her. Um, yeah, this will be a lot of fun. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> can, you, can you hear us hear me you're saying I think she is hold on anyways um everything is getting situated hello can you hear me yes hi <laughs> hello hi <laughs> um well yeah so basically first with Jaden I'm going to ask you both to introduce yourselves um just to anyone listening and to our wonderful author guest here. Um, but yeah, I'll let either of you go. Hi, guys. I'm Jada. Um, I've been on the po podcast probably for about two or so years now. Um, and I've actually done maybe one other author interview. So I'm really excited um, to be doing another. So I'm excited to see what happens today. <laughs> Hi, guys. Um, I'm Caitlin. Um, uh, I've been on the podcast probably for about a year now. Um, I've gotten to do one author interview before. Um, so I'm really excited for this. I've been super excited to, um, uh, to get to talk with all you guys. It's going to be great. <laughs> Thank you. Nice to meet you all. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And I'm Honora. I'm the, uh, the host for the podcast, host <laughs> for the interview. Um, but yeah, and I've been in this group since February 2020, I think. Uh, and I think I'm the only person who's actually been to all the interviews we've done. But anyways, um, a lot of fun. Um, so for Camille, if you wouldn't mind, uh, you know, just kind of summarizing your work, who you are as an author, just, you know, kind of what you do. Yeah. Ah, well, I am the author of two novels, Cooking for Picasso and The Godmothers. Um, both of them were chosen by People Magazine for their pick of best new books. <laughs> and this year, The Godmothers was picked by the Boston Globe website as um, a best book to take on a beach vacation. <laughs> awesome. Um, okay. But yeah, so what is kind of specifically about The Godmothers? What was your main inspiration for it? Oh, well. I had worked uh, for a while um, years ago in uh, New York City in television. And uh, there was an organization called the National Academy of TV Arts and Sciences. And they held regular luncheons and award ceremonies and things. So I was told this was a good place to get a start, get to know people, because I was you know, young and just starting out. Um, and there were uh, elder um, producers, writers, directors, actors, and the meetings all took place at the Copacabana. 
So when I was sitting there at these tables with these seasoned veterans, they said to me, do you know the story of the Copacabana? Uh, it used to be a very swanky nightclub in the 30s and 40s. And um, they told me you never knew who you might meet. You might meet um, a politician or a ball player, a movie star, or you might just bump into a gangster because these guys were movers and shakers in those days and they were celebrities and, you know, um, so uh, you know, knocking around New York City as it was, I was in Greenwich Village um, teaching for a little while and um, I got to know all of these landmark buildings that are still there, but I'd been there in this period too. I just got very intrigued with New York City in that time period. Now, at the same time, I wanted to write about women and this is something in common with my previous novel, Cooking for Picasso too. I like to write about the people who are not the big shots uh, not the wives even of the big shots, but are sort of unsung heroines, you know, people who just do everyday acts of courage and bravery. So I had that in the back of my mind. The final Philip was, I, I, as I started researching the gangsters of the period, I was kind of intrigued by their stories. They're very colorful stories. I came across a quote from Mario Puzo, the author of The Godfather. Um, and this is one of those little moments that, that spur me. Um, I think of them as little nuggets of history that are kind of hiding in plain sight. Um, and what I was reading was Mario Puzo saying that when his real inspiration for the character of the Godfather was his mother. <laughs> and he said, I, every word that came out of the Godfather's mouth, I thought of my mother's courage, her loyalty, her love of life and family, her ruthlessness when necessary, and her high intelligence. And he said, but these were qualities not necessarily prized in women at that time. But he said, without my mother, the godfather could not exist. Now, I thought that was really stunning. I mean, when you think about the godfather, because he was also the co-writer of the screenplay for the movie, um, and you think about how it has come to represent male swagger and power and everything. If you go back and listen to everything the Godfather says, and you think about this as really the wisdom of a mother, not a father. I said, okay, I want my female characters because I knew I wanted to do women from, four women from different backgrounds, um, you know, who become united because they're first sisters-in-laws. And then I said, okay, they're going to be godmothers to one another's children. And that's where the story really took off once I had all these elements. But I do a great deal of research you know, for, for all of my novels because I really want the historical characters to be true to themselves. I don't want to have them do anything they wouldn't do even if they're bumping into my fictional characters which is what happens in the books. Wow, yeah, that's a really neat concept. I never would have known that's where you got his inspiration from. That's super cool. Um, <laughs> Okay, um, there, so talking about um, the, your two books, Cooking for Picasso and The Godmothers, um, in writing both of them, how was the process for coming up with ideas and putting the stories together? How was that process different for um, each book? Well, actually the process is remarkably the same in a way because um, it, it starts with these little sparks of things that I've heard or things that I've read or things that I've seen traveling. Um, and then I start forming the characters and the story and the locale. The locale is very important, I think, to the story. 
And I'm, I am a person who writes a lot of little post-it notes in the middle of the night if necessary. And if any of you want to write, I tell you, if you get an idea in the middle of the night, make sure you have something to write it down on because you always think you're gonna remember these great inspirations and then you never do in the morning. So anyway, so I collect all of this information. I start to hear the voices of the character, you know, as I'm walking around mulling things over and thinking about things. And the research that I do, of course, is biography and nonfiction, but I also look into the magazines, movies, even the songs of the time period, because they give you a new light, a different angle on things. So with all this research and all of this coming together, the next important thing I think, I discussed this actually with Alison Camerata from CNN, and she, she was kind of amazed because she said, how do you keep all these storylines and characters in your head? And I said, I have this big cork board and I put everybody's birth, the day they were born, the day they had their first child, the day they did this or that. Um, in the case of Cooking for Picasso, I got a 1936 calendar and I knew exactly which day he'd done each painting that is in the book. Um, you know, was just before Easter, was it, you know, uh, a weekday, uh, a weekend. Um, and, and the same with the godmothers, um, tracking everything that happened in the gangsters' lives too. I, I always get old calendars from whatever years in the godmothers I'm doing, you know, 1943, 1957. So I always have that there. And I, again, the songs of the period, I make sure that I don't talk about a song before it actually came out. So <laughs> I keep track of all of that stuff. And then everything is sort of in place um, and to begin the really great stuff, which is the writing. That's the big process, of course, that's such a pleasure. That is so interesting, Miss Camille. I I don't know, that is, I, I love that, honestly. I've honestly never heard of um, a writer do that before. <laughs> but I wanted to ask you, who was your favorite woman um, to write? And initially, did you think that you were gonna do multiple POVs or was it just gonna be like about a single um, woman? No, I kind of knew that these were going to be, this was be a group of women. Uh, because I want, I, I think it's fascinating the way that women, when women stop competing with each other, and they get together for some purpose when they put aside all of the daily kind of stuff that nobody really needs and they work together, they have a strength that I think is truly remarkable. I have seen this even in, you know, even in exercise classes when people have been in the same class together for a couple of years and suddenly these bonds form. So I knew I wanted to do the power of women working together. I knew that I was gonna have these characters and um, I can't say that any one of them was, you know, more important to me as I was writing it, but I will say that Philomena, I knew from the beginning that she was going to have this affinity for numbers, because I actually had an aunt who was like that, who could, you know, add up these three figure columns, you know, in her head, and she was just astounding. So I knew that I wanted to have this character who could do that. But everybody else, I think, you know, it, it, it sort of, it comes from voices or people I've heard over time um, and they kind of stick with me. And uh, so, you know, I knew someone who spoke a little like Lucy. I knew someone like Amy. I knew someone like Petrina. So, but I can't say that they are, you know, the actual people that I knew. It's just that somehow the voices sort of meld in there. Um, but I don't write fiction based on, real people. I really do like to create something new. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, oh, oops. There we go. Um, oh yeah, talking about some of those um, some of those characters, especially in the um, in like the extended cast that you created. Who was the first that like you kind of came up with? Um, like who was the first that came to mind when you were um, creating those characters? Do you mean outside of the Godmothers? Um, I think within the book. Yeah, I think oh. just within. Yeah. Well, as I say, I think that Philomena probably emerged first. Um, but then, you know, as the others took shape and came into being, I knew that, that the three of them, obviously to be in that family would be married into the brothers. And I kind of liked having the three brothers because in a sense, it's sort of an echo of the Godfather characters, you know, in the three brothers. But you see in the Godfather, the women were always kind of periphery characters, you know? And so this time I wanted the women to have center stage. And then of course, I knew that they were going to have children so I started thinking about when they would be born and how old they would be when certain things were happening. Um, and then I knew too that I wanted a present day kind of character to really introduce us to them and to let us know that there's always more going on than what you're just seeing. Sorry about that. Um, uh, okay. So kind of changing topic a little bit, but um, hopefully still fun. Um, what is kind of your favorite thing you've like read or watched recently? Like something that has inspired you or just kind of like a guilty pleasure thing or just for fun, you know? Uh, well, you know, there, there's so many things that I, I really am a very avid reader and always was, and I love movies. So it's great to have, you know, um, even before they've become sort of voguish now, I was always watching these channels that had old movies on because I loved movies from the 30s and 40s. And I'm sure that that factored in. Um, and I also like the movies from the 70s, which is the time period that the Godfather movie came out. Um, you know, there's Three Days of the Condor, Day of the Jackal. I mean, I loved all of those and, and I like watching how those stories unfold. Um, you know, and, and, and with, with books, my goodness, I loved everything from, you know, Colette and Balzac to uh, Raymond Chandler and Evelyn Waugh, you know, um, I just devour books. So it's, it's really hard to pin on, on one of them. Um, but, you know, that's how I was. I mean, I've been writing little stories since I was about 11 years old. I just had this idea that I wanted to write little, first I started out with mystery books, you know, and things like that. So it's always been a guilty pleasure, I guess. So Ms. Ms. Camille, um, what would be the best writing advice that you could give um, an aspiring writer? Well, let's see. I, I think the best thing to do is to shut out the business of writing and publishing when you're getting started and really just um, focus on you know, what you like to read and, and when you're ready to, when you think you're ready to write something, you wanna write a book that you would buy or take out of the library or want to read, you know? Um, so you don't want to be too trendy because by the time you've finished writing what you're writing, that trend could possibly even be over, you know? So I would say, I would say that first kind of put on horse blinders for that kind of thing. And then I would say, teach yourself to write. Um, you can learn a lot in workshops and classes and things, and that's important to do. But I think in the end, you have to teach yourself by 
looking at what works and what doesn't, you know? Um, and then you write, and, and I, I would say, don't be afraid of polishing and rewriting because when you're first getting everything down, you may, you probably will say things a couple of different times over and over again. And so you just have to keep going. But once you have a full draft, um, at that point, you can start to say, why is it slowing down here? Or, gee, I've said that about three or four times. So pick the best way to say it just once. And repetition is a thing I, I try to avoid. You know, don't write the same scene a million times. You know, um, keep it moving, give it, keep, let it have energy to move forward. And don't pay attention to a lot of the things that you hear about what, you know, do's and don'ts of, of writing, you know, people telling you don't use adverbs or people telling you, you know, uh, if it's going to be literary, then it can't have a plot. Or if it has a plot, then it can't be literary. You know, I think you need to just shut all that off. And finally, I think you need to find at least one person in your life whom you trust to give you an honest read. And don't be annoyed when, when they are honest with you um, because that's important, your first reader. And you should value a person who's willing to do that. Um, kind of going off of that one, is there any specific advice or anything you know now that you really wish someone had told you when you were starting that might be different than um, your answer to the last one or just anything you know specific for you? Um, well, I guess everything you learn is an important tool in your toolbox. And sure, it would be nice to, to have that, you know, from the minute you start. But I think, I don't think there's anything that I, I wished I knew then. I mean, writing is a process and becoming a writer is a process and there really aren't any shortcuts. So, you know, you can't fret when you have ups and downs. That's just part of it, you know. I will say, make sure you get enough sleep, <laughs> enough exercise, find a quiet spot where you can write, not easy in modern life, but you know, take care of yourself because um, it's not all in your head. A lot of it is in your cells. So you know, uh, they don't tell writers this, they don't tell you that it's gonna take time and you need to take care of yourself. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's an awesome piece of advice. I think that's one that probably gets overlooked a lot. So thank you. Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, let's see here. Um, out of kind of related to the, um, not to go back to um, talking about process, but um, out of the things that you do to prepare, do you have like a, um, a favorite part of um, like what you do to prepare to write a book and a least favorite part, or is it all just kind of on the same plane? Oh, well, you know, I guess um, the research is kind of fun, especially if it involves travel. Um, you know, when I wrote Cooking for Picasso, I really wanted to make sure that I got all the cuisine right. And um, so I actually went and interviewed um, some Michelin starred chefs. And they were, you know, when you interview someone, you have to be prepared. You don't do things on the fly and you have your questions and you've already done some research. And they appreciate that, whoever you interview. They appreciate intelligence and they appreciate it if you've done your homework. And so they let me into their kitchens and they let me stir their soup and their pots and sauces. <laughs> and I, I learned a lot from them. Um, and in the process, I met um, Jacques Pepin, who has turned out to be a, a lovely and dear friend. Um, and he, you know, I, he read the book and he got back to me and he told me that it was totally authentic to him and that it uh, made him 
homesick for his mother's coca van. So I said, wow, okay. I, you know, because I was holding my breath. You never really know if you've got it right. You know, and it's very gratifying to hear from people who do know the difference um, that you did. Um, I will say food factors in uh, with my books. There was a critic from Canada, I think, who uh, wrote a review and said, don't read Camille Obrey's books on an empty stomach because you're going to get hungry. <laughs> so I would amend that and say, well, just make sure that you go out to eat or have a nice meal afterwards. <laughs> so Ms. Camille, do you plan to continue writing and do you have any plans that you can share with us at all? Oh yes, I mean, writing is just part of who I am. So um, I do tend to divide my time between being in the States and being in Europe. So I have one novel coming out uh, that'll be coming out you know, next and that um, takes place in Europe. And then I also have one that will be in New York City again. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, 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 do, I do love writing and I just enjoy the whole process of it. It's, it's just, you know, it's, it's the thing I like to do. I don't really like to do a lot of other stuff. I have my hobbies and, and interests of course, but this is the thing that, that gives me peace and you know happiness. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, okay. Um, oh yeah. Based on um, the women that we've met um, from the Godmothers, um, which one of them do you think that you would get along the best with if you could meet them, have a conversation with them? Uh, who do you think you'd get along the best with out of the Godmothers? Oh, well, that's the interesting thing about them. And I think that that's what happens in the story is that um, Allegiances shift um, as the godmothers go through life together. And sometimes, for instance, Lucy and Petrina kind of act as a team. But at other times, Lucy is with uh, Philomena, you know, and uh, maybe Philomena is with Amy at another time. So I guess I kind of feel the same way toward them, um, that there are moments where I, I feel they're really shining and I am, um, you know, connected to them in, as the author to the character. But it does shift because that's how life is. You know, there's this ebb and flow. Um, and you know, that's how it is with people in your life too. Sometimes, um, you know, uh, a, a person or a friend um, is, is very strong in one part of your life and somebody else is in another. So, you know. Um, you, you might have um, touched on this a little bit when you were talking about uh, just like favorite things you watched or read. But is there any specific book that when you were younger um, that made you just kind of say like, I definitely want to be a writer, like this is what I want to do? Well, um, there were biographies of Louisa May Alcott when I was growing up and I loved her and I loved Joe and to me they were sort of the same characters. So, you know, I could relate and I loved the image of Joe in her garret writing. And then when she's finished, she, you know, rolled it up and went to bring it to the publisher, you know. Uh, Louisa May Alcott was told very early on that she should stick to her teaching because she couldn't write. <laughs> so I liked people who didn't take no for an answer. And that was very inspiring. Going back to the women of the story, if you were ever to write another book in this universe, who would be your favorite or who would you be most excited to write about and why? Of the characters in The Godmothers? Yes, ma'am. 
Well, you've sort of touched on a little secret because I am writing another book about those characters. So I can't really reveal which ones are in the foreground, but uh, I, that is in the works. <laughs> <laughs> That's very exciting. Um, yeah, I can't wait for that. Um, I, I absolutely loved this book. Um, but yeah, my, my father made me watch the, um, the Godfather, like all those movies recently, and I started reading the book. So I was like looking into other books and I kept seeing the Godmothers show up on like various things and <laughs> I absolutely loved it. And I'm, um, I'm really grateful that when I reached out to you, you were like, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested in doing an interview. But yeah, so, um, so I think we just, have one more question. It's very, it's very silly. <laughs> Just as like um, a heads up, but it's, you know, it's a good one. Um, so the original group we were with was the Teen Advisory Board of Quill Ridge Books, um, which has since disbanded, but at all of the author events or author interviews they did, they would ask the author, if you were a plate, what kind of plate you would be? And that is no other context. We have no idea who came up with this question, but it seems like we'd have to ask you that. But yeah, a plate like a, a plate you put on a table to to eat with. It, that kind of it's just interpret as you will, like literally any kind of plate, like licensed plate, like anything. But oh. yeah. <laughs> well, let's see. You know, I I have uh, two thoughts are coming to me at the same time. One is that I have these dinner plates that my husband and I bought because we like to cook together. Um, and they are, um, they have the Pantone colors on them on the rim. So, you know, the Pantone color charts, they have some colors there that are kind of intriguing. And I bought them because they reminded me of different places that I had been in, in Europe. So um, when I look at them, those colors come to me. And so therefore, I suppose I'm kind of immersed in that world of the Pantone, you know, because I, I do like to paint just for my own pleasure. Um, and I love colors. And so they show up in my novels, you know, the, the particularly cooking for Picasso. But um, so that's one. But the other thought that came to me at the same time is this whole idea that the planet Earth is really made up of tectonic plates, you know, not it's not a ball of rock. And basically, we are all surfers on those tectonic plates, you know. Um, so I think of I think of myself as sort of surfing on this planet, you know. And I, I just want to make sure that I get the most out of the ride. That that's like two awesome answers to that one. <laughs> I yeah, I I remember going to like book events at the store, and you just hear like a wide range, but it's just you know, it's a fun one to end on. Um, but yeah. Um, Thank, thank you so much for being here. Like I, um, I'm so honored to be able to talk to you. Um, I know Jada and Caitlin feel the same way. Um, and I'm very excited to read whatever you have kind of like secretly coming up next. Um, but yeah, and to anyone listening, this, um, we actually, we're doing more author interviews this summer, which is a lot of fun. Um, we are going to be talking with Abigail Hare on next month on the 10th and Lily Lanoff on the 7th. Um, so check those out if you enjoyed our wonderful conversation with Camille Aubrey. Thank you so much for being here. Do you have any final thoughts, words, 
I was going to say feelings or concerns, but I would hope you wouldn't have concerns after. <laughs> well, it's lovely to meet all of you. So I guess I have a question for you. Was there a particular godmother that you felt some kind of an affinity for? Was there one that you sort of uh, connected to? Hmm. No. Um, I'll go first because I happen to be unmuted. Um, I don't know. So <laughs> this is like the most basic, basic of reasons. But Barnard is one of the colleges I'm looking into. So it was like, you know, it was like, oh, Petrina went there. I just thought that was kind of cool. But I was like, um, all of Philomena Muniz stuff, just like her entire narrative, it was um, like, it was a, it was a rough narrative, not, you know, I hope you understand what I mean. Just like her whole journey of, um, you know, of her life and just trying to fit in with everyone was a really, interesting one to read. I hope I am making sense, but I don't know. It was just a very um, impactful story. So I would say um, either one of them, but yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> how about how about you other folks? Um, I also kind of have um, like probably a basic reason. I, the excitement I felt when I was reading um, and I got to the first part of um, Lucy's story and finding out that she was a nurse, because um, that's what I am planning on studying to do. Um, and it's been like, I've been like all nervous about it, but I thought it was so cool because like, um, she was so like cool and calm and collected about like every crisis. Yes. And that's the kind of person that I want to be. Um, and so that was really cool, like getting to see that kind of person in a book. I was like, maybe I can be that kind of person as a nurse. Um, so I thought she was really cool. <laughs> That's great. How about you, Jada? Well, Miss Camille, I have to admit, <laughs> I haven't gotten a chance to read your book yet. However, when I do read it, I am positive that I would definitely have um, a favorite. But from what I've heard so far um, about Honora Ravenet and just the interview today, all the characters seem like wonderful people. So whenever I do get a chance to read it, I'm positive I'll have a favorite. <laughs> I think you will too. I have an idea which one you might like, but I'm not going to tell you. So you, you can tell me and I'll see if I was right. <laughs> yes, I would love to do that. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you once again. Um, thank you for anyone listening. As I said, we'll be back. Um, but yeah, until next time, goodbye. Okay. <laughs> Lovely meeting you. Bye. To learn more about On the Shelf, visit ontheshelf.wordpress.com for blog posts, recent episodes, and book recs. Or check out our Insta at On the Shelf Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, rate us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts.